Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Even if you've had this issue for years, if we just give you a couple of things that you're able to do consistently throughout your week, that shift in your body, it's going to recognize like, oh, this does feel good. And this is how I actually want to be moving and feeling. And so once it gets that consistent input, it's really helpful for speeding up how quickly somebody can recover. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. All right. Today on The Less Stress Life, we have Dr. Jessica Warnke, who is an orthopedic and public floor physical therapist, founder of Pace Physical Therapy in Austin, Texas, and business coach. In her practice, she focuses on holistically treating each person she works with and helping them find the root cause of their concerns in order to empower them with the tools and support they need to heal. She particularly enjoys educating women in understanding their pelvic floor, stopping leakages with exercise, and eliminating pain with intercourse. Her pain... Patients range from preteen athletes to Olympic gold medalists, moms and non-mothers, and anyone looking to proactively prioritize their health. With her business coaching clients, she takes the same holistic approaches to help women find fulfillment in their careers and create harmony between work and life. Welcome, Jess. Hello, Krista. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I should have read your bio before we even got going. We could have talked about pain with intercourse and all kinds of things, but all the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So many things that cause pain in our lives. And today we're going to talk about just some, like, sometimes we kind of associate them with exercise or like what happens when you're trying to be active and like your body, I don't know, I shouldn't say it like this, your body kind of gets in the way. <laughs> so I know we were just talking off air a little bit. Will you like open this up with kind of your own personal experience? It always makes a big difference. I mean, you go into, I don't know if you went into physical therapy because you had these experience. Actually, I, I wonder how do you decide to go into physical therapy, right? Like we always I think we always wonder these things. Like, how did you make that decision? There's probably some role role model somewhere along the lines. Definitely. Yeah. So I grew up an athlete. Like I played every sport under the sun at some point, loved moving my body. I have five younger brothers. So it was like always a competition. And in high school, I had a pretty severe leg injury while I was playing lacrosse. And 
that rehab process stuck out to me the most because it was the first one that was so intense and so like mentally challenging. And as I was going through the rehab process, the sessions that really stick out to me were the ones where I was just like very emotional, like mentally needing support. And my therapist was such a great support system. And so everything that she helped me from more of the psychological standpoint is truly what sticks out to me when I think of whatever happened 20 years ago. And I was like, you know, I love movement. I love the body. I want to do something in medicine. And I really like this connection in physical therapy where I get to stick with one person and kind of help them through their journey. It's not like I'm just seeing them, you know, a couple times a year for check-ins. It's like I really get to take this person from their potentially lowest point from a physical standpoint and help them get to where they want to be. And I want to be able to provide more than just the exercise guidance. I want to know them as a person. I want to help them, you know, with their mindset and just like discussions about their health in general. And so when I got into like typical corporate physical therapy world, it was great for a while, but then you just kind of get burnt out because you're like, well, I can't truly connect with these people. Like we're seeing so many people, there's such quick sessions. I can't talk to them about sleep or stress or, you know, what they're putting into their body. And so that was one of the main reasons why I started my practice is because I wanted the freedom to treat how I would want to be treated and just work with people that were holistically minded and looking for like a bigger picture goal. And so in doing that, it's been nice because I've just been able to work with some of the most amazing people, but it's also been such a great motivator for my own personal growth and development so that I can become a better clinician for them and also just a better, you know, clinic owner, manager, and like person for my family and friends and stuff like that. So that's a, a brief intro into why I'm a physical therapist and why I kind of do things the way I do right now. Well, I actually feel I spend a lot of time with another physical therapist, a good friend of mine who has a, a semi-local practice and she's a she's powerhouse. And and I've been with her. We've been at dinner and talking to people about their injuries and the way she talks about things. She's like, oh, well, in the clinic, they can't do X, Y, Z. And I think, oh my gosh, our careers are basically the same. <laughs> are they're very similar. Right. The way you just described why you went into private practice is exactly, you know, you wanted to work with people with like higher elevated goals that were more motivated, that just had higher expectations, and you could do more from a holistic standpoint and serve them better. So it makes perfect sense. Why that's why people in my career go into private. It's it probably actually goes across every single discipline. Yes. And it's fascinating because sometimes you go to a XYZ Institute or some big time place, and they may not have a lot more opportunity. Like they probably do, but I think sometimes we go for like brand and name recognition mm-hmm. of, a, of a health system, but in actuality, you have more scope of practice, not even like more scope of practice, but the privileges within that setting or within that institute or, or medical system or whatever, maybe just really behind the times, you know, it's just it's Completely not, agree. It's not up to standards with how we could be practicing and serving people. Like we already have the tools to be better. It's just that like 
their privileges are not up to date. And I would say like anyone who's a dietitian, a physical therapist, and I'm guessing much beyond that could probably agree that we all have. It's funny. I didn't know we all had so much in common until you start talking to each other about the pains and they're almost the same. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And it's interesting too, because even now that I've been in this type of clinical setting for a few years and seeing actually a lot of the types of patients that come to us are the people that have tried everything and are still not better. And so they're either, they're like one step away from just giving up, but for whatever reason, somehow they find us and they're like, okay, well, y'all seem different. Let me give this one more shot. And it's really helpful for people with chronic issues, autoimmune related things, stress related things. Like during COVID, the types of clients we got, it was like such a shift because everybody was like, running so stressed and then they would present with these physical things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, you have back pain. We can make you move better, make you stronger, but still the root cause is a lot more deep and there's another huge system involved. So we have to have these conversations. And so that's also been really fascinating to just kind of see evolve over the last couple of years. It's like, oh, now there's like this group of people that our typical medical system is failing them. And they don't know what else to do or where else to go. And so now more of like the functional medicine and the holistic types of therapies are out there. And so it's another avenue for people to explore that truly know that they can find help somewhere. They just are, they haven't found it yet. And so they're they're looking. I love it. And actually that's a great place to start. Again, I feel that's the thing people say the most often is I feel like I've tried everything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but I bet you haven't. I bet you yep. actually haven't. You know, every yep. single time I have a conversation, but I just want to point it out, which, what is the thing that's missing? Like, where is it? So actually this might be a preemptive question. We might have to wait on this one, but I'm going to ask it now and you can kind of decide. So, because we want to talk about what's going on with these, with knee pain from running and the cause of this hip pain and, and these things that can really affect athletic performance or your active daily lifestyle. But what is going on? Like, where do you start first when someone comes and says, Oh, I've tried everything and I'm not getting results. And I was about to throw in the towel. Like what is step one there? Is it also like assessment or whatever, or does that question come, come later? <laughs> yes. So a lot of this answer comes before I even see the person once they filled out their intake form, because I'm asking if they've done PT or prior therapies for this, I'm asking what they did so I can see, okay, you went to PT. What did that entail? Right. We're also on their intake form, we're talking or we're asking about their sleep, their diet, their hydration, their stress levels, the things that cause them stress. Do they have any current stress management practices? So we're gathering all that information at the beginning. And I think it's nice because then it gets the person thinking as they have to answer the questions so that by the time they come in, I can then like dive a little deeper into whatever subject I think is needs to be highlighted for this person really get an understanding for what they truly have tried. Because a lot of people will say they've tried it all, but they've only tried a couple of different practitioners in you know a typical setting. And so it's very, really like, even I'm like, well, did you get this type of blood test? Did you have this question asked? Like, I'll ask these things. And they're like, oh, well, nobody's done that. I think I just got the normal blood panel. I'm like, okay, well, we're talking about pelvic floor. If we're talking about you know, a chronic inflammatory based pain, like we need to have these conversations as well. And then that can gear us from an assessment standpoint, we're going to be functionally looking at all their movement patterns to see, okay, from a musculoskeletal standpoint, 
did your prior therapist just look at your back and your hip because of where your pain was, or did they look at everything above and everything below and how those dynamic movement patterns potentially could be affecting the hip or the back or whatever pain point that they have. And I think for a lot of people, they have never, even just from a musculoskeletal standpoint, they've never had their full body assessed altogether. It's like, oh, we're just focusing on this little section of the body. We're seeing how it moves. Okay, well, this is tight or this is weak. Let's focus on that. But then if you're not figuring out how your feet support from the ground up into your hip, then you're missing a huge chunk of the picture. And likewise, like if you have back pain, but your thoracic spine isn't moving well, okay, well, we have to address that. And so it's fun because you can get so much information really efficiently if you just know what you're looking for and have a little bit of insight in what the patient has already tried that has not worked. Yeah, I understand. But my <laughs> my question is, people ask me this all the time. How did you learn to do functional physical therapy? That's what it feels like it is. It's like more holistic, full body, mm-hmm. functional looking, looking kind of beyond the obvious black and white piece, like what's mm-hmm. the rest of the body doing? And that's what we do in functional nutrition as well. And I didn't learn any of that in, in college. <laughs> Unfortunately, right. I learned all of that in continuing education and yep. mentorship, et cetera. And I'm wondering also for you, is that also how, you, I mean, where does this come from? How do you become an amazing physical therapist? Just curious. Yes. I would credit a lot of it to continuing ed and mentoring and just the internal like want to -hmm. keep learning more. Right. So even like, for example, I just, what, like three, four years ago started taking pelvic floor courses because we literally in PT school talked about it for like a two hour class. And I'm like, this is a huge part of the body. That's literally the center of everything. And we just breeze through it because nobody really understood it or nobody thought we had to do anything with it. And then fast forward to my clinical experience. And I'm like, well, all of these chronic back pain and chronic hip pain and chronic running injury clients, like they get better, but they're still a missing link. And I don't know what else to check, right? So it's like, okay, well, let's learn about this body part and how significantly it plays a role with the function of everything else. And then from like a movement pattern standpoint, it's like, okay, well, in school, they teach you how to like, you know, rehab an elderly person that has a knee replacement and, you know, maybe an athlete with an ankle sprain, but it's like, how do we look at the true human body together? And it definitely just takes practice and seeing a lot of bodies, but also working with, for one, a varied population. So different body types, but also a higher activity level population where you're like, Hey, they're strong, they're mobile, but they're still having these limitations. I really have to dive deep to figure out, okay, what's going on with that connection that maybe is limiting them with their ultimate performance. So let's get into ultimate performance because if you like to run, let's say, and you start to have some pain, this is like all of a sudden what you know and what you're good at is now a problem and it's not very fun. First of all, how often does this happen? Do you think, do we have stats on this? Like how often are people who like to just go running, are they dealing with some kind of nagging pain? Would you say, do we have any ideas? Does this happen to every person is really the question. I it, honestly, it does. <laughs> okay. That's what I was thinking. Like, doesn't this happen to everybody at some point? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I wish I had hard data, but I don't think that would be possible because a lot of people will do it. And then they're just like, oh, well, I was, I'm tight or I didn't have the right shoes. And so like, they'll never take action for it. So getting a true read, it's like just in talking to people or even on Instagram, like 
having somebody message you about maybe a different topic and then through conversation, like the fact that they, oh yeah, by the way, I'm a runner and I've had this nagging knee pain for a year. It's like, they've gotten so used to it that they've just tried to work around it. And Mm -hmm. now it's catching up and presenting with bigger injuries or more of their body is affected. And so it's interesting how many people, especially with something like running. Well, yeah. So actually a few episodes ago, I interviewed my friend Kelsey who teaches biomechanics at a school and we were talking about feet, but there's not, there's room to talk about a lot more of that. And I think you and I are already on the same page here. Like I already know, like your belief, I think is, is mm-hmm. what I've arrived at accidentally as well. So let's talk about this nagging knee pain, et cetera, and how you kind of assess and improve that from a foundational standpoint. Like if someone is starting to have knee pain from running, what are some of the possible causes and where are you going to go with that? Yeah. So I definitely want to check their hip mobility and their ankle mobility. So the two main joints above and below the knee. Mm. I also like checking, you know, their foot control, like how well can they stand on one foot without shoes on? And there's a couple of like hip strength tests. I'll check that are more dynamic in nature. So making them move their body and watching how they load and what muscles do what gives me a huge insight into what might be weak, what might be tight or limited with mobility. And it's interesting because running pain is so common. And to me, it's one of the most enjoyable and straightforward things to treat as soon as we have like the data for the dynamic hip strength, their hip mobility, their ankle mobility, even like big toe mobility. Nobody ever thinks to mobilize their big toe. And that joint is geared for mobility. It literally has to extend to allow us to properly push off our foot when we're walking and when we're running. And so if that is restricted, well, then that's going to travel up the chain and something else is then going to try to compensate for it. And so that's why so much can occur at the hip and at the knee is because we're not even taking into account our feet. We're just putting a super supportive shoe on or, you know, doing some calf stretches and not really putting the effort into supporting our running outside of just going out and running. Well, I want to talk about this a little bit more before we move on from that. So you talked a lot about the joints above and below that the problem area. Mm -hmm. And so how does one improve hip and ankle mobility? Mobility exercises. Yeah, they're really simple. The hip is a very mobile joint. So it you would have to figure out, are they limited with internal or external rotation? Is it a flexion extension thing? Figure out which direction they're most limited in and just give them, you know, like a minute of an exercise for that. Same thing with the ankle. Like for most people we're limited with lifting our ankle up. So dorsiflexion. And so there's a really simple ankle mobilization you can do. It takes less than a minute. And it's really easy to just add a little bit of hip mobility, a little bit of ankle mobility to somebody's warm up before they go run that can make a huge difference and if any of your listeners are like visual people i have all of these types of exercises on my instagram and i even have like a hashtag specific for running pace pt running so it can be an easy way for people to just get a visual for this is what an ankle dorsiflexion mobilization looks like cool pace pt running is our hashtag so if someone starts to do these exercises if they're having this nagging pain and it's been chronic I mean, it's like the the thing that's causing it is chronic. So we make a shift, like a daily shift or a really common, like it needs to happen all the time. What's the turnaround time to starting that's improved then? Part of it depends on like the lifestyle factors and what else is going on for that like person. What? Like 
how's their stress, their sleep, their hydration? What are they putting into their body from a nutritional standpoint? Because I will say most of us are stressed more than we should be, and we probably don't drink enough water. So it's like, okay, if we can start having a little bit of a conversation with that, that's also going to help enhance running. Also too, depending on how chronic this has been, can play a factor into how quickly we can resolve it. Because the longer somebody tries to work around this, the more things potentially are now contributing to the issue. And so we have to then address all of these extra factors. But also too, like I always tell people a little bit of something consistently is better than a whole lot of something infrequently. So even if you've had this issue for years, if we just give you a couple of things that you're able to do consistently throughout your week, that shift in your body, it's going to recognize like, oh, this does feel good. And this is how I actually want to be moving and feeling. And so once it gets that consistent input, it's really helpful for speeding up how quickly somebody can recover. Okay. Why don't we understand a little bit better how hydration and stress fits into knee pain and Mm. mobility of the joints? Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that's obvious. Yes. So first of all, the more hydrated we are, obviously just kind of helps with the muscle function, like from a contraction standpoint, but also to talking kind of more globally about the central nervous system and kind of what stress does, especially if it's been chronic stress. And how that shifts our sympathetic system, our breathing patterns, even our nerve mobility. So for example, in runners with knee pain, oftentimes they'll have pretty limited restrictions in their sciatic nerve or even their femoral nerve, depending on the exact location of their knee. But And it may not be anything injured with the sciatic nerve itself, but because that inflammatory aspect has been going on in our body so much and it's affecting the nervous system it then is going to affect the musculoskeletal system because the nerves power the muscles. And so that's why with somebody that's really, really stressed, for example, if they have chronic knee pain, we can get them moving better. But if we're not like also making sure their nervous system is functioning well, then it's going to be harder for them. They're going to have to do more work to get to that moving better phase because they're balancing something that's still limited. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, we're making progress for half of these issues, but the root cause is still not being addressed. So therefore we're only going to get so far and we're going to have to do so much more to then try to make up for that. Whereas if we work on breathing techniques, we work on stress management or things to just kind of lower their cortisol or improve the movement of their nerves, then everything follows suit so much quicker because it's not fighting against an extra barrier. Well, I was going to ask you you how you help people with this. And you kind of just described it a little bit, but I do find, and also in practice, you know, as you were getting into practice and realizing all the root causes, was this a surprise to some extent? Or were you prepared for handling this in practice? Because it's a challenge. And I find like the people it's most challenging for. So whether we like to believe it or not, like our athletic performance and inputs are inherently inflammatory and stressful in the body. So Mm -hmm. what I see from a nutritional perspective is those that have been athletes for a long time actually have the worst nutrient deficiencies Mm -hmm. of everyone because they have a lot of induced inflammation over and over and our body uses up anti-inflammatory nutrients to compensate for that. So it's really interesting from that's like what it looks like physiologically, but just coaching people with stress can be, it's a more challenging topic, not my favorite topic all the time. I mean, there's a lot of modalities, but it's like, I've noticed when you let someone know like, Hey, you got a lot of stress going on. It's not always like well accepted or well, um, well-received. So I'm just wondering how you're handling that in practice a little bit more. 
Yeah, that's a great question and a great point. So I, again, starting like day one, I'm trying to get, I like, I want to know the person as a person, mm-hmm. right? Like what's truly going on. I also too, because I create such individualized programs, I want to know like, Hey, truly, how much time do you have to devote to this program? Because I'm going to tailor it to what you tell me you can do. That way, for one, I can support you, but we know it's going to be applicable for you. And it's going to be something you can like stay accountable with and get better. And so if somebody is in a very heightened state of stress, sometimes it's these athletes that they're like, well, I like last year, I worked with a gold medal Olympian. It's like, well, my qualifying trials are literally in four weeks. So I have to do all like, there was no time to like get out of training and just help the injury or the body. It was like, okay, well, taking all of this into account, we now just have to make sure that we're supporting you as best we can while you're in this phase. And so, and there was an end point to the phase. I think that's a a really key point is the most toxic thing I hear people say is like, I hope this gets better soon, or I'm just kind of waiting for things to lighten up. I'm like, wait a second. Is there an end point? Is there, what is the actual end exit strategy? If there's not an exit strategy, it's never going to go away. Yes, absolutely. And that's where like, if somebody is super stressed and super busy, like any of my business owner clients, like, okay, I get it. We can't just take all these responsibilities away necessarily, but we can change your mindset about the responsibilities. Maybe we can help you with like the time management or the prioritization of these activities so that we're also then prioritizing your stress management routine to complement your day or to complement your week so that we have more of a lifestyle conversation and we make sure, Hey, this is what's going on in your life. These are factors that won't change or that we can't get around, but how can we best support you and how you handle them? So that again, your body is just receiving in a little bit better and not always in this heightened state of stress or anxiety. Yeah. Was that something that was, you were aware of early on or did it come up kind of later? You were like, wow, this is really the problem here. Unfortunately. Oh, yes. I honestly, even just like the last couple of years, I think I've mm-hmm. become more aware of it. And so I've looked more into it and also, you know, myself going Order through our tools. Yeah. Yeah. Going through a lot of these things like, oh my gosh, when COVID. So I had my business for, I have a brick and mortar. And so I had my business for about a year when COVID hit and we had to shut down. We thought it was going to be for a few weeks, turned into two months. And so during that time, I had literally just hired a therapist. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have to figure out how to transition my business model, feed my staff, and like manage my mental health with such an unpredictable thing. And so as I was like dealing with so much stress and realizing, oh my gosh, my nagging hip pain is coming back. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. my pelvic floor is really tight. Now I'm having pain. And associating it with just like, okay, well, when I do this breathing technique, it helps calm down my pelvic pain. Or like as I'm doing less lifting and more like walking and just kind of like changing the input of the intensity that I put my body through and what that could do for pain. I was like, okay, clearly this is indicating how big a role stress plays in our lives. And our clientele for pelvic floor pain and since COVID has skyrocketed because so many people like they didn't know what happened. They're just like, all of a sudden one day I started having severe pain and it hasn't gone away and every test is negative and I don't know what's going on. My doctors just sent me here because they finished like their tests were good. Like, Mm -hmm. and so it was like, okay, we really have to dive in more to like what life event occurred. Like some people like they graduated and they moved. So like good, exciting things for many of us, but just the level of stress that that places on a body 
And then, or like people that got newly married and, you know, had sex for the first time, it was like, oh my gosh, now it's painful. And now I'm stressing out because it's painful. And I didn't know it was painful and I'm newly married. Like, what am I going to do? And so just like realizing, Hey, you physically didn't do anything different. Mm -hmm. What was that event that occurred that triggered this? And now how do we manage and address these symptoms because of that? Totally. One of my questions was, I think I was just reflecting on the amount of movement podcasts that we've got kind of not in a row, but like within a month, there was the one on foot mobility and biomechanics a few weeks before you, then yours. And then in a couple of weeks, a breath coach I've had in the past, Campbell. Campbell. So Campbell is a physiotherapist, which is a physical therapist in the United Mm -hmm. States, but he's a physiotherapist, the Australia speak. And he left, he does some physical therapy or physiotherapy work still, but he left because he was like, I'm not getting to the root cause. And so he's really moved into like, and he knows so much about breath that like, I just don't even understand or can't comprehend. And I was going to ask you, I'm sure like, that's a very attractive, it sounds like it just makes perfect sense because it's moving the entire body, right? It's a functional, I don't know. Anyway, it's a, it's quite a movement that affects everything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering how you coach on breath in practice, or if that is that common is breath work, a common part of your prescription or healing or how to breathe or assessing breath part of how you work with clients in in general? Yes. So nowadays it is probably for almost every client, but especially the clients with chronic issues and or anything in the low back, pelvic floor, hip or knee. Mm -hmm. And it's a tool too that I've just recently picked up the last couple of years because it was never something we learned how to assess in school or even in residency. I did residency and it was like, here was a year of localized, like focused content. And we still didn't really like dive into not only our breathing mechanics from like musculoskeletal mobility standpoint, but what breathing does for our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems and how that can help with a chronically, you know, high pain person or something that's associated with certain events or certain triggers. It's like breathing is such a tool that anybody can do anywhere. Takes no extra time. It just takes like helping the person relearn how to breathe effectively to help their ribs move better, their thoracic spine move better, take some of the pressure off a tight pelvic floor. And then having the conversation of, okay, and this is also what's going on systemically through your whole body when you do something like this. So very powerful tool that upcoming podcast you're going to do is going to be gold because we can all benefit from breathing. Yeah. I had one with Bia, obviously, you know, Bia, who's a, Mm -hmm. who, so Jess and I know each other because we're in a business group together, business coaching master together. And so we have a breathwork coach there who is from Brazil. And so I think her podcast came out last week or a week before, and she actually goes through 15 minutes of breath work, which is pretty wonderful. But that's the thing people are going to skip first. So I actually hired Campbell to record some very brief lessons on breath work for our clients. I think three, uh, three or four of them. And he did a beautiful job. And I cried when I looked at the view rate of those initially, because people just want to skip right over that. But pain, and I I am like so hyper aware now of people talking about their pain or pain with intercourse or now, because I've I've been bit, you know, I've been slapped in the Mm -hmm. face by this on, on it stalling our progress on what we want for holistic health and nutrition and like how we want to feel good energy and gut health and Mm -hmm. all those things, because 
that perceived pain and it's real pain, it's physical pain, but it's being perceived by the brain as like, ah, I'm like on Mm -hmm. fire. It's perceived by as a stress, it's pain, but it's stress. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think we think about that pain is stress when we are dealing with chronic pain and stress, even in a nagging way from an injury, it's dumping nutrients. And then if you Mm -hmm. dump nutrients, you're going to have other side effects Mm -hmm. inconveniently. So I mean, the whole point here is just that knowledge is power. It's not meant to be like, oh, I'm helpless. It's like, oh, now that I understand this, I can actually do something differently and it could be a lot better. And it doesn't even have to be that challenging. It doesn't have to be ridiculous. Um, It it probably will be, you know, a dramatic shift because unfortunately how we breathe and the stress we've had, you know, becomes part of us and we don't even realize how much we're adjusting to it. Right. Yes. And it's very powerful when let's say I, you know, I have a a first consultation with somebody and that's one of the main things that I'm giving to them. At least 50% of them like look at me and they're like, okay, so you want me to breathe for my home exercise program? I'm like, okay, hear me out. And then like, I explain the why behind it, take them through it. And they realize how challenging it actually is to breathe correctly or breathe in a more optimal way. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I've literally been breathing so restricted for so long and not even aware of it. But then it's such a quick thing for them to then become aware of. And I'm like, I love just seeing that shift. Like the next time I see them, they're like, okay, that breathing exercise was actually way more challenging than I thought it would be, but I've been doing it. And it's helped like take so many things down in a positive way. And I'm like, awesome. Cause now you can literally use that tool whenever you need it, wherever you are. And it's something that nobody can take away from you. Yeah. Love it. Man, we could keep talking about every joint, but I bet the answer is you assess above and below (laughs) all of these things. And and internally and ask about their history and all these lovely things. But I think think it's just great for us to have these conversations so that people are aware of what more is out there, what more can be done, especially if they're dealing with something that's chronic and really impacting their lives. You always have options. It's kind of my mantra here is like, the podcast exists so you know that you always have options. No yes. one's out of options. No one's actually tried everything. So. Exactly. Yes. So. Where should people find you online? So I'm most active on Instagram. Dr. Jessica PT is my handle. So anybody, if you know you have questions, shoot me a message in my DMs. And always love to just kind of chat and educate and learn more about people. I also have my website, pacept.com. There are some free resources on there too. So there's some free eBooks and even like a little interactive body. So if you have like a body part that's bothering you, you can click on it and it brings up a bunch of videos associated with that body part that we often use. Yeah. So it's, it's nice. It's free and easy for people to access that way. They can at least start trying things on themselves and then, you know, letting them know that there's potential other avenues if they feel they need them. And you have kind of an exercise. We wouldn't necessarily call it this, but like you have a kind of an exercise recovery or like a nagging pain recovery program at some point. It's not called that, but it's coming or it's you've been doing it or something that's on your Instagram or. Yeah. So I have two things. So I have some online programs already out there for back pain, sciatica, knee pain, neck pain, shoulder pain. Those are great for people that need a little bit of guidance. So maybe you look at exercises on my Instagram. You're like, okay, these are great, but I need guidance on what to do and how to do them. All of that is linked on my website, online programs, as well as in my Instagram. Those you can start and do on your own pace at any point. And then I also just started a movement freedom program, which is more specific because you get to work with me as well. But I essentially teach you how to assess 
your own body. And then based off of what your assessments show, we create a specific plan for you to help address whatever nagging lower body or pelvic floor issue might be affecting you with exercise. So it's geared more to that active person who maybe has nagging hip pain or nagging knee pain with running or leaking with exercise and wants to learn more about their body. That's what this movement freedom program is all about. And I do have a wait list where if people want to join or just get more information and get some education along the way about those body parts and those injuries, I can send that to you and you can just put it in the show. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Always a good conversation. Yeah, for sure. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.